Hi, everyone. We're recording this at morning time on a Friday. Normally, we record at nighttime on a Monday. Usually, we have a very different energy. Yeah, so we're recording this two days after we recorded... Our first evolution episode, yeah. Yeah, and that episode is very high energy. And this morning, we're just going to bring it back down. So I have a question for you, B. Are we acknowledging that we're going back and forth in the world of our episodes? We might as well, but this is going to be a little fucked up because I think the next episode of season three to come out is Doubt? No, it's In Name and Blood. So... (laughs) So people will know that we're a little bit off, but just know that like every other episode of this season is mm-hmm. going to be so high energy and fun that this episode, we're taking it easy on a Friday morning. <laughs> we're taking it easy on a Friday morning. We're taking it easy today. I'm getting my fifth fucking COVID shot later today because I got my fourth shot and then like literally two days later they announced the Omicron booster. <laughs> so now it's been a couple of months. I can get okay. my Omicron booster. Get your next shot. Yeah, but they wiped me the fuck out. So <laughs> so today is for sure just a day of taking it easy. It's a lazy Friday. It's a lazy Friday. You know what? I'm just going to roll that theme song and I'll play it nice and low. <laughs> it can yeah, let's play it. Let's play it just like low and just like let's hang out, you know? And now, the weather. (laughs) Hi, everyone. Welcome to this calm, peaceful episode of Wheels Up. Our Criminal Minds podcast. We're talking about season three, episode three, Scared to Death. So to counter all the talk about phobias, we're just kind of super chill. (laughs) We're super chill today, you guys. Super chill. I'm James. And I'm B. And this is Wheels Up. And this is Wheels Up, and I'm so excited for this episode, actually, because this is a really good episode of season three. B, I'm so excited to be here talking with you about Scared to Death today. <laughs> Sorry, I decided to, like... <laughs> you really decided truly to do, like, NPR-ing. an NPR, like, <laughs> interview it. Yeah, for sure. About our gay nonsense. Yeah, so let's talk about this episode. This episode is good. It's, it's a good episode. It's good. I don't have any particular feelings about it. Also true. This is not one of those episodes that I think of when I think of season three, because when I think of season three, I think of seven seconds and I think of, you know, Penelope and I think of like in heat. Right. Those Mm -hmm. are like the big episodes of season three. But this one, it's like it's a good episode. In my head, it's always like doubt in name and blood, children of the dark, seven seconds. I just skip this one right out of there. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But it's good. I don't have any real complaints about it, actually. That's true, which is surprising, actually, because yeah. I was like rewatching this and I was like waiting for them to do something stupid. And then they never did. And I was like, "Ooh!" and then they don't. Pleasant little surprise. No. And yeah. They just don't. A pleasant little surprise. Can I say something right now? Oh, please. I think this will be in the running, though, for one of those like bottom half of the episodes for when we do our season three ranking. I agree. I think this is going to be in the bottom half for sure. Not because it's bad, but yes. because you have 
Children of the Dark, Seven Seconds, like Doubt. Like you have all of yeah. these really good episodes, Penelope. you know? It's like, I don't think it'll be. I think. I would be shocked if this ranked above 12. I think this will be our first season where bottom of the ranking does not bad. mean bad. It's just there are so many strong episodes. Like I think in the past we've watched episodes and gone, okay, this is top five. This is top five. And then everything Hot else garbage. is like, how yeah. badly do we hate it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think this season, it really will be more about kind of the other side of the coin of God, which one do we yeah. love the most? And like, I don't dislike this episode, but I like everything more. So I guess this is my least exactly. favorite. That kind of thing. And that's, I'm just, I'm just want to make that prediction now so that people know when we're talking about this episode, it's good, but it's not like a seven mm-hmm. seconds. <laughs> no, it's not seven seconds. And I think also it's nice to look at an episode like this and say, yeah, I think this is going to be in my bottom five. I still really like it. You know, it's still a really good episode. Like, I tr- I can't think of too many episodes this season that I really dislike. And, you know, for all our griping about Doubt and In Name and Blood, I really enjoy those episodes. Those were both eights. Like, those were good episodes. Yeah. So rather than, like in season one and season two, rather than enjoying an episode despite its flaws, I think that... This season, we're going to say, wow, everything is so good. Everything is so nice. And we notice the flaws because of how good it is instead of it all being flaws. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's get started. This episode takes place in early October 2007. We know that because we screenshotted the magazines on top of his trunk and dated them. Is that how we figured that out? That's how we do it here. That and one of the missing victims, JJ says he was reported missing nine months ago, and that was in January, which makes this October. So we've got a couple of different ways to date this episode. Now, we begin the episode with a woman trapped in her trunk, screaming, crying, perfect storm. I get it. That's Taylor Swift song, you know? Sure, sure. Okay. It's too early to make Taylor Swift references. I know, and that's why it was so lackluster. <laughs> but it was it was there you, we okay. didn't really try on that one no okay <laughs> a woman's trapped in her trunk she's screaming the man keeps saying is it as bad as you thought it would be is it worse if i close it and she's like yeah it's <laughs> fucking worse and then he just like closes it and puts the magazines on it and like she suffocates in eight minutes i do have a question about this death i assume this is claustrophobia because later they talk about how she doesn't use the shower she won't use the elevator so i think it's claustrophobia how how does she die i can't imagine that thing is airtight i don't know actually because it yeah i don't know how i don't know if it's like a if it's like a she has a panic attack and that makes her hyperventilate to death. and then her breathing gets out of sync with her lungs and then she just dies. Like, I don't know. Yeah, some sort of fear. Induced heart attack. Based heart attack. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how she dies. And that was a question I had and I tried to figure out. And I, I do think it's just like, oh no, she was scared to death. 
<laughs> is that just the official doctors? <laughs> like that's on her <laughs> autopsy report. Yeah. Like she was scared to death. Yeah. Cause like, you know, that women, they're always, women are always dying of grief. <laughs> you dying know, of a broken you heart. know, women in their hysterias. <laughs> you know, women. <laughs> <laughs> dying of because that is like a thing though you can like have a panic so much that your heart does just like you do have a heart attack and die that is something that happens and i think there's a true fear of mine <laughs> well you shouldn't be scared of it because then um but <laughs> oh no or a boris <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think that's what we're meant to assume happens here because there's no way in hell that trunk is airtight Unless no way in how that trunk is airtight. The other thing, though, is maybe if if it is implied by the end of this episode that he's been doing this for a year and that he has multiple victims, Mm. maybe he's reused that trunk. I was thinking about that because it is also his just like coffee table in his office. So multi-purpose. (laughs) You know, the thing about murder (laughs) furniture is that it has to be multi-purpose, and I keep telling people that. Honestly, reduce, reuse, recycle your murder equipment. God, come on. <laughs> the environment needs it. Okay. So she dies of being scared, scared to, death. to death. Yes. And he, okay. I will say though, I'm, I'm, sh- I think she's found later buried. Yes. But when they go into the office later in the episode, it really bothers me that they don't like move the magazines and see the window like i know she's not in there but it's like i just every time they go in there i'm like people have died in this box and they don't even look at it that's just a minor little nitpicky this guy howard i think his name is he goes and he sits at his desk so we learn his like phobia is the dark he's scared of the dark i also think and hotch brings this up he's scared of not being in control yeah so he takes like meticulous notes every time he does anything he writes it down and later he says it's for science but like no he's got his little he's got his little uh his little moleskin notebook his little moleskin yeah little i was gonna gesture mine i think is bigger than his i think he has the little pocket size oh i'm sure yours is bigger than his yeah (laughs) we both have i know (laughs) notebooks directly in hand yeah, mine is full of past episodes notes. <laughs> mine is full of my to-do list for work. That's fair. This man sits at the table at his desk and he's taking notes and he's like, she died in eight minutes of fear, presumably. And then he turns the light off and just sits there. We don't know it yet. But when he does that, he has like flashbacks. I, okay, here's a question for you. Yeah. He, there's no sexual component to his killings. But do you think he gets off on it? I mean, like, I kind of assume no. Okay. But yeah, I think he must. He must have to. Just the whole, like, turning the light off. He sits back in his chair, closes his eyes, and like... It's very much giving. Yeah, it's very much like... (laughs) It's very much... It's (laughs) giving. No, it's very much giving like weird dude masturbation te- techniques. Yes. So it's giving weird relationship with your mother. Yeah. It's for yeah. sure giving weird dude masturbation techniques. I just wanted to make sure it wasn't just me. No, I understand. Now that you now that you say it, I understand. Yeah. 
Okay. So then we cut. Okay. We have to talk about Emily's red tank top. This red tank top. God damn it. She's the hottest woman on the planet and I hate it. And why is she wearing a tank top? They are in Oregon in October. No, no, Girl, not, put not on just that. Shirt. Well, yes, that. But also, okay, she quits. She's asked to spy. She quits. She comes back to work. And then the next day shows up in this like hot red tank top. And is like, I will take my blazer off because now I know my job is safe. I've got job security. I can be sexy on the clock. Like, everything's fine. <laughs> That's what happens when you get tenure as an FBI agent. You can start ignoring dress code, actually. Absolutely. This is, this is the part just of the like show. Just like a tenured college professor, you can just start ignoring dress code. Right. This is the part of the show where they do start ignoring dress code, and you're like, what is the dress code here? Because Morgan is in his, like, hot shirts, you know, and Penelope is never. And Emily is in her, like, tank top era and it's funny because everyone's like ha 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 hotch always wears a suit but like you work for the government he works for the government he's never like yeah of course he wears a suit everyone's like do you ever take this tie off and it's like no you shouldn't like if you work at an office you show up in work clothes every day why is it (laughs) everyone else just dressed so slutty they're like hotch why are you wearing this suit and he's like, somebody here needs to follow dress code. I would also argue that Penelope mm. is following dress code. She's just doing it in the brightest way possible because she is always wearing like an acceptable like sundress and like cardigan combo. You know what I mean? You know what? I think you're right. And I think I have fallen victim to what I used to dislike, which is when you have big boobs, everything becomes like inappropriate. You know? Yeah, exactly. And I used to have that problem because I had double D's and I would wear anything and look obscene. Exactly. And I think I look at Penelope and I'm like, she's tits out at the office. And then it's like, she's not wearing any, like her, sh- anything more low cut than like JJ wears. Exactly. But JJ's, JJ's in her small breast era. Exactly. Yeah. She's like she doesn't even usually wear like V necklines. She always has like it's like always like a circle neckline. Like yeah, like a swoop. She's just tits out because they have nowhere else to go. You're you know? so right. Honestly, Penelope, <laughs> Penelope writes. Penelope writes. I'm gonna become Penelope Garcia's biggest defender, and then people are gonna listen to last episode where I'm like, <laughs> I fucking I would hate working for Penelope Garcia, <laughs> and then they're gonna be like, Hey, now hold on, what? <laughs> hold on, wait. Yeah. No, I love mm-hmm. Penelope. I just, I would love to be her coworker. I would hate to be her employee. Exactly. Okay. We're at work. Reed's all sad reading Jason's letter. He's all like pouty and sad boy. Emily's in a red tank top drinking her coffee. Morgan's just hanging out. I assume teasing her for wearing a sexy tank top. And Penelope comes out of Gideon's office and it says he's left everything except the photos. Now, Last episode, the photos were there. Were so, they really? Yes. Remember, we pointed out that he had even left his photos. Oh. And that's why nobody knew he was gone, because, like, his photos are still there. Which means at some point, Gideon came back. He went to the cabin. He wrote his little letter. <laughs> he let them stew. He snuck into Quantico, took his photos, ditched again. <laughs> 
it's even funnier to imagine him coming back in. And they're like, oh, you're back. He's like, you didn't see me. Don't talk to me. <laughs> took his photos and left. I mean, yeah. like, I assume he had to give his resignation to Strauss somehow. She does say, like, the resignation is official. The paperwork is So maybe through. he just came in at, like, fucking 3 a.m., like some vengeful ghost of BAU past, and took his photos, left his resignation on Strauss's desk, and then bounced again. Unlike Mandy Patinkin, Jason Gideon came in and resigned. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, sorry. And then we see Hotch in his office. He's looking at Jack's art, like handprint paintings from Jack, his son. And Strauss comes in. I know. Strauss comes in, hands him a stack of folders, and is like, we're looking for our placement. And Hotch is like, These folders that she hands him, by the way, Mm -hmm. are like inches thick they comically. are comically like, they are comically overstuffed at this point put it in a fucking binder email it put to it me, in please. a binder what are you doing these manila folders are hanging on for their goddamn lives it's it's hilarious but then also hot is like wow you don't waste any time and she's like yeah we need someone to be doing this job like we're not gonna mourn jason giddy like yes it's sad that he's gone i know you were friends um this was still his place of employment and we do need somebody else to do his job though yeah and she even she is nicer than i think hodge gives her credit for here she's like yeah the bureau thanks him for his many years of service yeah also he did a job here (laughs) he also left unexpectedly you know like if he had given his two weeks notice they could have found somebody else. He could have trained them. It could have been a whole thing. Instead, he just left. So she's like, sorry, bounced. we have to. Here's the thing. The whole episode, they're like, Hotch is taking this really hard. Hotch is really grumpy for Gideon, whatever. And then it's like, no, my wife left me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's it's interesting that the whole time we're supposed to assume that Hotch is being like pouty over Jason, like leaving. But Jason Gideon like abandoned them. Yeah. You know? Like, I think this is really the only one that's, like, truly, I guess, L. But for the most part, they quit at the end of the season. You know, when people leave. We see them making a choice. Gideon just left. I wonder if it hit so hard after L. You know, that both of them just kind of, like, left. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Oh, JJ comes into the office and is like, hey, we're ready. She looks so good. She looks so good. She's in this like pencil skirt. We are in JJ's like pencil skirt era, which I appreciate. And we we prayed for times like these. <laughs> we've prayed. We've truly. Okay. We we've earned this. We, us, you and me, James and B, have earned JJ's pencil exactly. skirt era. Also, Emily, like to me, this Emily and, like, reboot Emily are two different characters. For sure. They are absolutely different people. Like, especially, I think reboot Emily is much closer to this one. But when she comes back for, like, 13, 14, 15, like, that's a different character. That's a different bitch. That's, that's Patrick Brewster playing a different character. But, <laughs> so when I saw Emily Young, I was like, this does not phase me. This is Emily Prentice. That's other emily prentice that's emily prentice's evil twin sister of course and emily prentice's straight twin sister oh god 
But JJ is always JJ. And truly going from like muscle daddy, sharp cheekbones, JJ, to like wide eyes, pencil skirt. Oh, go ahead, Hotch. You can you can do the briefing, JJ. I was like, God, you're a child. Okay. Hotch is like, hey, Gideon left. We don't know why, but we're still together. So let's do this. Break. Go team. Go team. Wheels up. And then they don't even say wheels up. They don't even say wheels up. It's actually annoying. Okay. The case, there's four victims, two male and two female. Three were buried together. One was buried separately. It's in Portland, Oregon. The causes of death so far have been like burning alive, asphyxiation. One was hanging. And I don't think they said the fourth one. There's no sexual assault. And only two of the victims were ever reported missing. The other two weren't. But the families of the victims were getting emails from the victims of saying that they needed time and space and all this kind of thing. And they talk about how the unsub is covering his tracks, buying himself time. Mm -hmm. Also, this is the era of Emily wearing the chunkiest watch on the planet, but like with the wrist, with the timepiece, like on the inside of her wrist. Why the fuck do people do that? I did. Okay. I did it when I was in high school because it was easy to just kind of like look at, you know, but then every time I tried to write, it would like bang against exactly. my desk. Yeah. So she must, I don't know. Well, wait. Hmm. Why are you wearing your watch on the same hand that you write with? Why wouldn't I? I wear my watch on my left hand and I write with my right. That's incorrect. No. No. Maybe that's me. <laughs> Maybe that's no, me. No, it is not incorrect. <laughs> fine no but you have to you put it on that wrist so while you're writing you can just look at the time no why would i put put it on on the other wrist so that you don't bang it on shit while you're writing on paper really fast even thinking about that is making my hand like super uncomfortable (laughs) but then it's balanced because then you have your pen in one hand and you're watching the on the other no nothing is supposed to be on my left hand ever it goes on your dominant hand because that's the no. hand you do everything with. Are you Googling what hand to wear the watch on? That's so rude. As a general rule of thumb, most people wear the watch on their non-dominant hand. Uh, most people don't want to mess up the watch because while you're doing things with your dominant hand, you don't want to fucking bang your watch into it. Sorry. What? Wow, that must be a me thing then. The fact that you just like... You were like, yeah, this is why a watch is inconvenient when 95% of people do not use a watch that way. And you just said that like it was a fact. You were just like, this I is a I thought it was. Don't make fun of me. I am trying so hard to preserve the chill energy of this Friday morning podcast. Is this podcast. truly upsetting to you? It is, it is honestly upsetting to me. I cannot believe. It is truly boggling to me that you were just like you said that like it was a normal thing when you are the outlier friend you guys don't you guys can't see this because this is an audio medium but james has just grabbed their watch out of (laughs) off where it was sitting on their desk and put it on their left wrist for just a moment and then said ew and had to shake (laughs) it off like it physically pained them and now they are putting their watch on their right wrist when they are right-handed like a fucking insane person you're incorrect about this. I am 
super not. I need you to know you're so wrong. I'm super not. And here's the thing. People are going to be yelling at us on Twitter about this. So please do at Wheels Up Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, whatever <laughs> your social media is of choice. It doesn't matter. This is not important. Okay. I'm back. They're on the plane. They say that the victims are all 25 to 30. They are, they've been dead for about six months. And now that they've found the burial sites, the unsub will be pressured to make a mistake. Okay, I know it's 2007, Uh but the quality of this webcam is fucking terrible okay for the longest time my profile picture on tumblr was emily's like face because it is terrifying they their eyes are like demon black and they're all blue and scary looking and every time i'm just like this the camera reveals that they're truly demons the thing is is that this looks like no webcam on planet Earth ever Never. of any time. So this is literally just them filming this. By the way, season three, they are still filming this on 35 millimeter film using fucking yes. Panaflex cameras. So they literally just filmed this, threw this to the editor and went, make it look webcammy. And the editor was like, they somehow uh... misheard demonic out of all of that. And <laughs> now it's just... It's horrible. It's like actually like terrible. It's like actually scary to look at. But anyway, they call. Also, it's very funny that computers turn to the wrong way. So Penelope <laughs> is like, hey, psst, I'm over here. They have to turn her around, which I did like. I was like, that's funny. It's such a funny. It's like a little bit. It's so funny. Yeah. There's a few just like bits in this episode, which I do approve of. Do you think they had a little more free reign to have a little more fun with this because Gideon's gone? I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Was like a discussion. Like they they had to be serious while Mandy Patinkin was here, but then Mandy Patinkin pulled a dad who went out for cigarettes one day and never came back. And now they're like, fuck it, let's be funny. Yeah, I kind of think so, actually. I think that that's exactly what happened. That would not surprise me. They're like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> we've already... I think the having to shuffle everything so much made them feel a little more free to do other things. A little more loose, a little more fun. Yeah. Penelope brings up that the emails are manipulating the families. And it's important that they're like, it's important to know that he has access to that. And also, for some reason, he has a lot of personal information on these people because in the emails, he's able to say things that, like, in theory, only they would know. And we learn later that he has a form on his site to fill out, and then he he accepts applicants from that. So that's how he gets the information. Yeah, he also writes down everything they say, so yeah, he has a lot also of information that. just from, like, therapy. Just from, <laughs> like, normal therapy things. The therapy of it all. Okay, this Oregon... Oregon? This Portland detective... Oregon? Why do you say Oregon? What the fuck? Are we in Lord of the Goddamn Rings? <laughs> I'm gonna say Portland. 
This Portland detective is from Boston, and they guess it from his accent, but I have never heard a more normal-sounding dude before. He has a little bit of a Boston accent. I'm sorry, I know you're, like, biased because you live on that seaboard, but he does sound Bostonian. To me, Boston is like, you know, mock, pock, the car. Yeah. But he just sounds like he's from the East Coast. I guess maybe that's it. But the fact that they were, like, Boston, specifically... You know, there's only so many places that have that ah sound, you know, but he did. Did he even have it? Maybe I just he didn't did. use that sound. I think here's the thing. I think you're just used to it. OK. So Hotch, Reed and Morgan go to the victim's house and Emily's going to work on victimology. And JJ's just kind of hanging out. <laughs> JJ's just kind of kicking back. She's just yeah. kicking it. You we know? see her helping Emily, but, like, she's just like, oh, can I sit up here? No mention of, like, what she's fucking doing, though. <laughs> okay. Then we get this very funny scene of Reed and Morgan in the elevator. So Reed, Morgan, and Hotch all go to this dude's apartment. It's the girl. And it's the girl's apartment. And it's like... There's the world's smallest, shittiest-looking elevator. And Hodge looks at Derek and Reed getting in there, sees that they're already kind of squished together, and goes, I'm going to take the stairs. And Hodge is so fucking valid for that. Get yes. your steps in today, sir. You were on a plane. <laughs> get your steps in. Hell yeah. And then they get stuck. And Morgan starts pushing the alarm. Okay, Hodge walks right by the elevator like the alarm is going off and he just like looks and is like nah and keeps going and then when they finally get out he goes was that the alarm like yeah Hotch. <laughs> yeah it was dude i know yeah. you're having a pretty bad time by every metric right now but that was the <laughs> alarm thanks for noticing and then reed and morgan are in the thing and reed is terrified and morgan's like making fun of him and then the elevator like drops because morgan's bouncing and then they're both scared and they're like pulling the alarm and like trying to open the doors. And then it finally opens and they like burst out. And they're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> I need to tell you a story okay. that relates to this. That makes me sympathize with them incredibly. So Sharon's first apartment, the apartment we met in, had truly the world's shittiest elevator. Terrifyingly so. Like it would go down to the basement when no one hit the basement, but it would be un not level with the floor, so you'd always like trip. And then sometimes yeah. you'd walk by and like the door was just like diagonal. And it was just ter terrifying all around. And so but she lived on the fifth floor. So I wasn't always Ooh. in the mood to climb five stories. Yeah. Uh-huh. So one time the elevator's been broken for a bit. You know, but I'm tired. I'm staying there. And I'm like, I'm just going to take the elevator. The men are there. They, they're like, I fixed it. It's better. And I'm like, great. So I get inside and I hit five. It takes me to three, to six, to the basement, to four, back to the lobby and opens again. And I step out and I say, it's not fixed. And then I take the stairs. <laughs> I was like, this is where I die. This is how I die. It just free decides to free fall me to the basement. Like, <laughs> I can see the headlines now. Young gay killed because repairmen lied. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, too scary for me. 
so at first I thought this was like an unnecessary funny scene, like cute, adorable. And then I realized like one, it solidifies like fear. And two, that's it. <laughs> I think it kind of like shows that they're all scared of things. Of something, yeah. Of something. I just, okay, we'll bring this up when we get to cave diving maybe. Okay. So they talk about how she like, doesn't leave her apartment that much. She's got a kind of a core phobia. She doesn't use the shower, doesn't use the elevator, so she's claustrophobic. And she doesn't have, and they they make the connection that this guy targets people without ties so they won't be missed. Mm-hmm. Emily and JJ have been looking over the victimology stuff and there's nothing new. And... You know, it's interesting because all of these people, they've struck out on their own. They have no connections. They're new to the city. They spend a lot of time alone. And the detective's like, that describes me. And JJ's like, oh, I want to talk to you about, like, getting settled in. Where do you go? Which is reasonable. But also, JJ herself moved to, like, a brand new city. But she did do that a while ago, and maybe she's wanting, like, the local flair. Like, what's the local thing you do when you move to Portland? You know? Like, do you join a polycule? Do you? <laughs> like, <laughs> like but what's then he, but the Portland thing His you do? answers are cafe, gym, doctor, dentist, dry cleaner. Like, not Portland-specific anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's weird. The unsub is sitting in the office. Lights are off. He has a childhood flashback that's his mom, like, beating him for being scared of the dark. So we're like, okay. And then he, but then he just, like, gets up and goes and brings in the next guy. He's like, oh, I didn't know Carol or whatever, like, left for the day. But we know there's nobody else in the building. And he, the guy, the guy is like, I'm ready for the next phase. The next step. Yeah. Which is like, ooh, uh uh-oh, he's going to die. And he does. This poor guy. He also, this poor, this guy. poor guy, seemed to be doing well with his fear before he got fucking pushed off and drowned. He just doesn't know how to swim. Okay, let's, we can go ahead and talk about this. These are not, I understand that these are phobias, mm-hmm. but they are not dehabilitating phobias. Like, this guy could just never go swimming. And that's, like, fine. And that's fine. He doesn't say he doesn't shower. He doesn't go swimming because he can't swim he's scared of deep water like okay just don't go swimming and then the cave diving woman like she's scared of being buried alive okay you're going cave diving just don't go cave diving just don't go cave diving cave diving is insanely dangerous oh god i i can't even watch videos of people going into those tiny caves because Oh my god, it terrifies, like, getting stuck? I can't, I can't. Like, the thing is, is that some things are like, okay, you reasonably need to get over a fear, right? Like, okay, I reasonably need to get over agoraphobia so I can go outside, and so I can, you know, do that. I don't need to ever go cave diving. I'm good. (laughs) Truly. Like, cave diving is, by the way, like, by the numbers, insanely dangerous like you don't know where that water goes the currents change randomly you are underground if your shit gets fucked you're just fucked like you can just not go cave diving 
I understand needing to like get over a fear of like public speaking or something like that. I can just not go cave diving and I would be totally fine. Yes. And also like one of them died by hanging. Which is what like, okay. Fear, what fear is he trying to get over? <laughs> that one was, I was like, maybe choking, which I do have, but I just don't wear tight things around my neck and I do survive that one. And then the girl in the box, like, claustrophobia. claustrophobia, but she was just taking the stairs. And like, I understand claustrophobia is a fear that can have more repercussions than not. But again, you can avoid it. Just like fear of heights, you know, unless it's incredibly severe, in which case, a two session study is not going to help you. Yes. And I have agoraphobia and I take anxiety medication when I leave my house and I'm fine. (laughs) Like it's, I don't know. Maybe I have just gotten so used to my like parents, tough love, like suck it up and do it style of like living, but I can just also not go cave diving and I'm all right. Well, I also think part of it is (laughs) if an issue is severe enough to be impacting your life to the degree where you seek help for it. Two sessions and a hundred dollars are not going to magically cure you. Yeah. So that's what I think is really interesting. And we learned to the guy who's afraid of drowning, this is his fourth session. So he's been coming several times and he says he's ready for the next phase. And the guy takes him to like a lake and puts him in it. And I get that it's like immersion therapy. Well, the other thing, right, is they say that he was trained in the 80s. Like, we don't do these things anymore. Correct. You know? Also, like, immersion therapy, wouldn't, like, your first step be just, like, going to the shore of a lake? I would assume it'd be a pool. Where or you can pool. stand in the shallow end. Yeah. And slowly like, get Like, why deeper. is your yeah. first step not a hot tub? Why is your first step, like, I don't know. It just... Yeah. I also think, though, this guy in the the thing too is like the cave diving lady she's like i want to go on this trip we're going cave diving but i'm scared of being buried alive and then she's like oh a study to help me conquer my anxiety perfect and i get 100 bucks perfect i'll do that and she does but this guy i think just wanted the 100 bucks cuz he's a grad student relatable i think also this guy is good at howard is good at talking them into yeah, which, correct, yeah, we're we're talking about these people who are getting manipulated and murdered by a right. serial killer who's fairly <laughs> prolific, problem. like, yeah. not your not your bad gang. Yeah. Uh, just, like, I don't know, man. Yeah. So, it's, okay. Ugh. Yeah, it's, it's a weird one. It's a weird one for sure. And also, we saw with the girl at the end, he drugs her. Yeah. You know, so the trick is just getting her to come back later he's like oh yeah i'm a doctor i can tell you one session will help you get over this come back later and she's like oh shit i would love that and then he does drug her so like in her like you know that's the kind of thing that's like yeah it's not truly no victim blaming it's his fault i just think as a premise it's a little weak it is a little weak okay so then they're talking about how this unsub's burial site is compromised and that's going to be hard for him. He needs control because he chooses victims and he chooses how he's going to bury them. 
and there's no sexual component. He's overcompensating for lack of power. He's impotent, but he's married and he's probably adopted kids to make up for his impotency. And then they say he's going to take his own life before he allows himself to be captured, which is what happens. And then they talk about like these victims have no defensive wounds. So they were like willing participants in, you know, whatever happened at least in the beginning. So we need to do something unexpected and warn potential victims. So JJ gives a press conference, which this landlady seemingly happens to catch live and calls the number, calls Emily and is like, listen, he came here for grad school. He has a super predictable schedule. I know it hasn't even been a day, but like something is wrong. The dog is barking like crazy. His backpack is here. Something's wrong. And then his body washes up. Poor Patrick. Poor Patrick. Truly a grad student just needed a hundred bucks. Okay. The unsub gets home late. He didn't call ahead of time. I'm on the wife's side, by the way. At some point, he knew he was going to be late. So and he could have text. texted her. Yes. That's what, honestly, it is one of my biggest pet peeves on the planet. If I'm expecting you at a certain time and you just don't show up, and then you're like, sorry, I was late. And it's like, I know you were late. All That's you had okay. to do, oh, it's okay. All you had to do was be like, hey, I'm late. And I'm going to be like, thank you for letting me know. That's it. The only way I'm like, okay, if you don't text me is if you are like actively driving to where our location and you do not text me while you're driving. That is fine. Even then, text me before you get in the car exactly like if you know you're gonna be late text me if you if there is something around you know if there is some accident that befells the car in front of you and you are now stuck in traffic that's fine whatever just like if you can text me yeah go yeah. okay google and say the text hey siri <laughs> <laughs> like it yeah. is not hard so the wife is like you didn't call me. You didn't do it. I wrote a check for Jessica, our daughter's tuition. They don't say it until Penelope finds it out, but she is adopted. Yeah. Yeah. And she's in bed. And okay, the wife is like, I made you dinner. And she even like heats it up for him and puts it on the table. And he's like, what? You want me to eat? And he just starts like shoveling food in and then like hallucinates that his wife is his mom. And the wife is like, what is wrong with you? What is okay. happening? Yeah. And then he goes to see the daughter. And the daughter's scared of the dark. And he turns the light off, being just like the mom. And it's like, give it the bit give a bitch a nightlight. Okay. It is daytime outside. It is fully daytime outside when they're recording that scene. Because he's like, You have to turn the lamp off. It tricks your body into thinking it's daytime. And then they turn the lamp off and it is fully daytime outside. And they didn't yeah. even close the like thicker curtains. It's so it's like the sheer white curtains. And it's terrible. Emily and Morgan go to the body uh, that washed up the blonde guy. And this is the guy Emily heard about. He was new. He was alone. Also, Emily cargo pants era. <laughs> she wears her cargo pants tucked into her boots. And she will do this again in like three or four episodes. And I love her for it. It's so... It's, it's butch. It's beautiful. It's so like federal agent butch chief oh god bless <laughs> like it's so yeah it's just no, truly. so good truly and i know you know if anyone is actually butch and listening to this me too but i know emily's not like 
a butch butch. She's not. No. But she's she, not. she's definitely like on the more masculine side. This Emily is. This Emily is. Later Emily, I don't know no. her, but this Emily is for <laughs> sure on the more like masculine side of yeah. women who are working in federal agencies and therefore are forced to dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing I just like about like television in general is how rarely women are allowed to like put their hair up. Like I know that when Emily and JJ like go into the field, like when they're like going into a house or something, they'll wear ponytails. But it is just unrealistic to me that Emily does not like wear her hair in a bun. It's insane to me because even when I had long hair, I didn't put my hair up all that often, but my hair was pretty curly. So like, I know I'm the outlier there, but Mm. I wear my hair up all the time. But I just think that this Emily is like a French braid while driving to work kind of bitch, you know? I just like, it's unrealistic to me that she's like doing all this crawling around. She's wearing cargo pants and boots, but her hair is still perfect and curly. Like, I'll give her makeup. That's fine. But the fact that her hair is always like down and beautiful, I I don't buy it. Especially because she's always like, you know, moving it out of her face. I don't know. Small complaint. I do think Emily's like a soft butch. She's like a business butch. Okay. The detective from Portland, Boston guy. He's like, why did we find this body like this? And they're like, well, we took his dump site. He couldn't bury his victims anymore like he has been. So he just left him in the water. And they're like, get more information about other suspicious drownings. And the detective's like, okay, I'll give them to JJ back at the precinct. They call Hotch. (laughs) This is where Reed is like, remember when we got stuck in the elevator? And Morgan is like, shut the fuck up, Reed. (laughs) I love Morgan and Reed this episode. They're so funny. I love my two stooges. I know. Every now and then they get to have like little petty brother squabbles and I do enjoy it. Every now and then I'm reminded by the like why they are the big Mm -hmm. male ship in Criminal Minds. Every now and then I'm reminded. I'm like, oh yeah, okay. I get it. I get it now. Sometimes I forget it and then I'm like, oh, okay. I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Reed makes the connection to fears and phobias. He's like, wait a minute, drowning, exfixiation, like, hanging, those are all phobias. So it makes sense that, it doesn't make sense, but like, it's clear that this guy's going after phobias. Emily and Reed are walking together somewhere. It's unclear where they are (laughs) in this moment. They are just walking. Yeah. I think this must have been a, an inserted scene. Because it's like, makes no sense. But they mentioned about Hodge being more intense since Gideon left. And he's like, are you okay? And I liked this moment, okay? Because it, it's a mirror of distress, the episode distress, where Emily's like, what is up with you? And Spencer's like, go fuck yourself. You yeah. know, uh-huh. this time she's like, are you okay? And he's like, yep, I'm fine. And she's like, uh-huh. And he's like, okay, fine, listen. Reed says... Gideon left a note, just like my dad did when he abandoned me and my mom. And Emily makes this face that's just like, yikes. (laughs) I love that Spencer just kind of says it. He just says it. We are not, he's like, I will not leave you any room for misinterpretation here. I am saying I have daddy issues. 
and that's Absolutely. it. Like, okay. Absolutely. And one, he's so right. And two, Emily has not met Spencer's mom. Emily was not there for Fisher King. True. So she doesn't have the like full context. She has no idea about any of that. She's just like, oh shit, that sucks. Yikes. Like you can see her face just go, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then she's like, you know, you're not the only one he abandoned, but he only wrote you a letter. So think about that. Why did he run away? Why did he leave you the note? Think about that. Reread it. Which I think is interesting. And I'm glad Emily like gives him that advice. I'm not sure it ever comes up again. Yeah. Again, they have a very like fraught relationship. What I don't think Emily and Reed are ever like friends, but she really no, tries they are, they for are. this little bitch. As they go on, they get close. Okay. She really tries for this little bitch. She does. She has no reason to be nice to him here. He has been such a nothing dick. but terrible to her. And never apologizes. And yet? And yet she's an amazing, great, wonderful, beautiful person and stays nice to him. And I think that's just, you know, it says more about Emily's character than it does about Spencer being a little bitch. Yeah. Okay. We see the next, the last victim with Howard saying she's new. She's working from home, not leaving her house. She's like, yeah, and I work from home. And he's like, that can't be easy. And I was like, yeah. She's like, it's both a blessing and a curse, okay, queen? Okay, queen of queen. premonition. I know. Julie was like, okay. <laughs> Apollo gifted you with the sight, girl. Oh, no. She mentions going to the cave, but she's scared of being buried alive. Again, guys, cave diving? Wildly dangerous. Super wildly. dangerous. Like, insanely dangerous. Absolutely like, regular not. diving is already, like, kind of dangerous, but, like, an acceptable level of danger, in my opinion. Cave diving? Fuck that. You don't know where and, those caves go. And you're super dependent on the weather because if it's the wrong kind of cave, it could just flood. Exactly. Like, Yeah, no thank you. No fucking thank you. Cave diving? <laughs> underwater flows of water are, or underground flows of water are so incredibly unpredictable. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Okay, Emily and Reed are in the laundromat. Emily's like, oh, there's a bulletin board. And Reed's like, and a snack machine. And she's like, I don't think he's luring them in with pretzels. And Reed's like eating pretzels. It's hilarious. Yeah. They find the therapy study paper. And they're going to go to Victor number two's coffee shop to see if it's there. And it is. And it's from last summer. Which means this has been going on for at least a year. Okay. Then we see the unsub like dragging a shovel through a basement with bags of dirt and stuff. Well, we should also mention that when they when they find that um, poster at the coffee shop from last year, they're like, oh, we need to go recheck that trail because right. these all the four that they found have like. They're from like six months ago. They're from. Yeah, they're from fairly recently. But if there's a year and there are like phone numbers taken and stuff like yikes, gang. Mm-hmm. And they find 12 more bodies. The trail is 40 miles long, which is why nobody found them before. Mm-hmm. And there's no pattern in the burial. So they were wrong about that. So then, so, mm-hmm. sorry, did that mean that he wasn't just burying them in groups of three? Yeah. So he just sort of like, the three was just like him ending one grave and starting a new one? Yeah, it just so happened that they found a grave with three. And then the most recent was alone. 
Emily kind of speculated early on, like maybe that's a pattern. He always buries them in three. So like there's going to be two more bodies in that hole. But it's not true. It's he just only dug a hole big enough for three bodies that time kind of thing. He got tired. He got he tired. Was a little, he, his arms hurt. Well, his little baby arms got his hurt. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Penelope calls Morgan teasing them about the elevator, which is hilarious. Like, Emily is like, you got stuck in an elevator? And then immediately calls Penelope and is like, did you hear Derek got <laughs> stuck in an elevator? Shit? Yeah. I so she's like, hi. She immediately was like, bitch, you gotta hear this. You I love the this. gossip line at the BAU. It is Absolutely. so funny. The Emily JJ Penelope group chat is always happening. <laughs> so... Penelope's like, yeah, I found this thing called the Goodman Institute. It's totally bogus. It has no tax records. It's nothing. It's just some articles. And there's a questionnaire about the phobias. And that's how he's getting the info. So they're like, okay, let's look up more about this. Then we see that the doctor drugged the woman with tea. Okay. He, like, drags her, dumps her in the elevator shaft. And then he starts having a flashback. That he like wet the bed and the mom like hung it out the window and he as a kid is like crawling on the floor and then it just cuts to now and he's lying on the floor as a grown man and i was like this is the first time this flashback has like physically affected him like that yeah the other ones he seemed i don't know if it's just because he was in the dark but like he he's just like disassociated he just like dissociated yeah and he didn't seem like terribly affected mm-hmm. by it but this one is affecting him for some reason. For some reason, because it's mm-hmm. dark and he's putting somebody in a closed space, like he got put in a closet as a child, I guess. Maybe it's like an escalation, you know. Maybe it's representative of his failing mental state? I don't know. Well, I think also he's losing control. They found the bodies, they warned people, etc. So maybe and he's And now like, he's going to have a tougher time finding victims. Yeah, so he's kind of losing that control. I guess. I guess so. That would be my guess. And then he starts burying the woman. We got to the police precinct, and they're discussing how he calls them phobias instead of anxiety disorders. So he probably studied in the 80s. And Penelope is like, okay, I'm going to look for a doctor who studied in the 80s, cross it with adoption records and juvie records, and he's going to be in his 40s. And they find Dr. Stanley Howard. His practice was shut down last year, but he's still spending a lot of money trying to keep up appearances. Yeah. Yeah. So JJ and Emily go to talk to the family. And this is really cute. JJ goes and like talks to the daughter while Emily like talks to the mom. And it's very sweet. And we learn. They're moms. They're just such moms. They're just like such moms. Emily tells the mother, the wife about her husband, how he lost his job. And the wife is like, yeah, he's been kind of weird since his mom died last year, which is the trigger. And then Reed, Morgan, and Hodge go to the guy's office building, and it's an empty lot. So where is he? And we learn that Howard's wife, her family has commercial property downtown. So just like a commercial building. I guess. (laughs) I guess. All of us are like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Okay. Okay. They go to the building. The There's a board that's like all the doctor's names with floors and office numbers. And earlier, the drowned guy was like, wow, impressive. They're all part of the Institute. But now we know they're all fake names. It's an empty building. No one works there. So 
Which, like, again, I truly don't want to victim blame. Those big commercial buildings, like he's talking about, have a lot of people in them, like, all the time. And it's empty. And it's, like, completely empty? That's a bad vibe. Well, he's having them come at weird times. I guess it must be, like, does this later time work for you? But still, like, even if, right, Mm -hmm. in my big commercial building that I work in, right, there's always, like, the security folks in the lobby area. That's what I was going to say. If I'm if I come in after hours, there's, like, janitors and cleaning crew moving around. Yeah, there's like, never nobody. Big commercial buildings like that take a small village to run. Yes. And just, like, come on, gang. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah, truly right. not victim-blaming, but I am just, like... Victim-blaming. No, I'm just, like, narrowing my <laughs> eyes a little bit in judgment. Okay, okay. So, they go to his office. They see Missy's name signed in. And then they, like, see Howard climbing stairs to the roof, and they go after him. He is walking at a, at a, at a, uh, 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 he's a walking. Leisurely pace. Leisurely pace. He's moving, but he's not running. And they're chasing. <laughs> they, they are trained FBI agents chasing this man, and they can't make it up three flights of stairs while he is, like, strolling, <laughs> like, taking a little Sunday, Sunday stroll through the park. Like, what? Amazing. Yeah, so they get him to the roof. Hotch is like, don't jump, yada, yada, yada. Please, You don't want this stuff. Please, no. And Howard says, your greatest fear is that you can't save everyone. And then he jumps. Well, then he says, it is worse. You know, (laughs) it is worse. It's like, It's worse than I thought it would be. Right. And he jumps. JJ and Emily tell the wife, whatever. Okay. I, okay. (laughs) I love... That Hotch takes every criticism of himself as a clue. <laughs> the guy. And it's like, sometimes people just don't like you, dude. <laughs> like, he you know? goes, kill Hotch, he's a narcissist. And everyone's like, oh, Hotch, he didn't mean it. And Hotch is like, no, 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 this is a clue. And then now this guy is like, your greatest fear is that you can't save everyone. And Morgan's like, come on, man, he doesn't know what he's saying. And Hotch is like, no, 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 it's a clue. No one criticizes me. It's always a clue. Like, <laughs> like, like Hotch, I know so you're like a funny. white dude in a position of power, so you think you are above criticism just a little bit, but like, come on, my guy. Like, come on, my guy. But he's right. I mean, they go down to the basement, they dig her out. Or he goes to look at the body of the unsub, and he sees that there's dirt under his fingernails. So he's like, oh shit, she's here. So they dig her up. She's alive. It's great. And then you see like Pen- Penelope, you see Penelope smiling because they like saved someone and Emily and Reed and JJ are asleep on the plane. And Derek is like, I can't sleep, whatever. And Morgan says, or Hotch says, you know, this is a big victory for us with Gideon gone. And they also haven't saved anyone in a while. <laughs> they really, I think they really needed a win. <laughs> they really needed a win. Like, like, I know- I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think they needed a win because they couldn't save they saved one woman in in name and blood yeah and they couldn't save the people in doubt and then the end of season three was or season two was real rough yeah and <laughs> like had, legacy you know, was hard you had but... ashes and dust you had honor among thieves then open season legacy <laughs> like no, it's been a no rough way time out too like it's been a rough yeah. few months for the vau yeah so they're like this is a big victory this is a way we needed this yeah and then Derek is like you've been agitated you've been this you've been that and Hotch is like I thought we weren't gonna profile each other and Morgan is like 
shut up. Tell, tell me what's wrong. So then Hotch is like, Haley left me. And Morgan's like, oh, that sucks, dude. Sorry. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it. Yeah, we're going to put a pin in hot in Hotch saying Haley left him. Are we? Okay. We are. Let me make a note. It's a small pin, but it's still a pin. Okay, just a little bit of a pin. Alrighty, mm-hmm. that's fair. Did they say scared to death within this episode? No. And no wheels up either. Truthfully, James? Season three. Ugh. Like, truthfully, I'm a little sad about this right now, Bestie. I'm not going to lie to you. It's not great. We only had one... We're three ups in. We only had... Doubt is the only episode that said the name of the episode within the episode. That's so rude. And I know this is a stupid little stat, and they don't hit it more often than not, but I do usually like it when they can work it in there. Because usually it's, like, funny. It's like it's a funny. good work. Like seven seconds, they say seven seconds a lot within the episode seven seconds because it's important. It's and important. it to me feels like it's important for a criminal minds. I will say though, you know, unlike other times, mm-hmm. they don't say the name of the episode, but the name of the episode is still incredibly relevant. It's still relevant, yes. And sometimes you know? though, they don't say the name of the episode and the name of the episode is super irrelevant. And you're like, come on. Yeah, that's that's Come the on. issue. Is when they don't. It's not a quote, and it doesn't mean anything. You're like, okay. You're like, okay. So did you try? <laughs> did you try at all? Yeah. James, what are you ranking this episode? I'm gonna give it a seven. Can you give it a seven? I was also gonna go seven. Again, yeah. I don't think this is like a bad episode. No, it's, it's good, but it's not. not good episode, but it's not. You know, it's not Children of the Dark. It's, it's not, not seven memorable. seconds. Right. It's not the episode that you think of when you think season three. No. Okay. Okay. I think that's it for this week. Mm-hmm. Next week, we'll be talking about Children of the Dark. Ooh, we'll go right into Children of the Dark. I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm so excited. James? Yeah. Wait, before I ask you for the ending quote, before I do that, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, at WheelsUpPod. You can also email us at wheelsup at breakgroundmedia.com. You can also leave us a voice message on Anchor. Do that. If we have if you have like a correction that you need us to get, correct us. Step to us. We are the experts, but we are not infallible. Are we the experts? I think we here's the unfortunate thing is I think we are. I think we are. I think we're kind of becoming the experts. I don't know as though we started off as the experts, but I know we are becoming the experts rapidly, which is surprising so bad for us (laughs) james (gasps) yes do you have an ending quote for me bestie way ahead of you scaredy cat (laughs) my biggest fear is spiders oh god please i know surely surely it is 